Good evening, dummies. Matthew Spear from Don't Unfriend Me. Thank you for joining. Tonight is episode 256. What are we talking about? Well, I've heard some feedback that I need to get right to the show because people can't wait. So stealing Washington is what we're talking about. The Steele dossier. Yes, that horrible document that everyone said wasn't real and the media decided not to listen. Donald Trump said it and everyone said it except for the elitist. We're going to talk about Adam Schiff tonight. We're going to talk about some new information, some distractions, and all of that coming up next. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest. Always direct. So sit back. Relax. Don't unfriend me starts right now. Well, good evening and thank you for standing by once again. I've got to fix that transition screen. Matthew Spear, don't unfriend me once again. Yes, I said dummies. What are the dummies? The dummies are the don't unfriend me's. It is an acronym, the D-U-M's. The dummies means that my image is off screen. It's going to be one of those nights, folks. I can already tell. Dummies, don't unfriend me's. It's an acronym. One of our viewers created it. It is the don't unfriend me's. It's not an insult. It plays off the words of Hillary Clinton calling us deplorables. Barstool Sports has stoolies. We have dummies. What also can you find besides all my graphics because my camera moved? Well, it's not that. It's going to be one of those nights. I can already tell. You can find me at, at Don't Unfriend Me Show on all social media. If you would not mind, stop by. Give me a like, share, and subscribe. I would greatly appreciate that. And then last but not least, you can get our new shirt, the Let's Go Brandon shirt, exclusively at the Don't Unfriend Me store. Go to don'tunfriendme.com, click on Shop, and go ahead and search for Brandon. You can find it there or find it on Facebook. With no further ado, we are going to get into the show tonight. First things first, I want to talk about the Steele dossier, and then we'll get to all your questions and from who's live. We're on at 8.30 Eastern Standard. I'll see you here Monday through Friday. First, we are going to start off with a video about Mr. Steele and his new, of course, TV show. Christopher Steele is an enigma. Is he hero? Is he traitor? Christopher Steele is a guy who picked a fight with two presidents, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, and he's lived to tell the tale. Christopher Steele, even today, is a mystery. That now infamous dossier said that President Putin has compromising information on President Trump. Supposedly a tape made in the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow showing prostitutes hired by Donald Trump urinating on a bed where President Obama and his wife once slept. It would be quite a tape if it in fact existed. It was extraordinary to hear the details. You almost had to look away. It quickly became a question in Washington of how much of this was accurate. I said, take out the PP tape. Please take out the PP tape. The golden rule for golden showers. You just don't talk about sex in reports. When the dossier was published, it exploded onto the scene. And at the heart of it was this shadowy Russian expert. It's kind of quintessential spy. A veteran of MI6. He wants your secrets and he charms it out of you. Most of the world first heard your name about five years ago, but you stayed silent. Why speak out now? When you bring the information to the FBI in 2016, reacting as a patriot or a paid private intelligence officer. 
Do you think there's a chance that the Russians played you, fed you disinformation? At one point, you're on Vladimir Putin's hit list. Mm -hmm. It was a story of epic proportion. Ticking time bomb. Phony stuff. It's a bunch of crap. Explosive. Extraordinary. It changed history. I mean, this is the stuff of movies. I think a lot of this is the stuff of movies. Well, that didn't age well, did it? Stealing Washington. As an intelligence professional, there aren't many things more important than your word. You can be the most well-versed, articulate, and astute analyst. But if you are not capable of knowing what you do not know, then you are worthless as a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. I remember vividly during my final couple weeks of strike during one of my C-School exercises in Damneck, Virginia, we were working on a brief for more than three weeks. From weapon systems, command and control, troop movements, casualty estimates, hell, even geopolitical outcomes before, after, and during the execution of the aforementioned mission. Our target was Tehran, and to create a strike package that would be a first-wave initiative followed by 120 days of bombardment and elimination of the opposition. These were the funnest times of my life, and it resembled playing a very serious and very real, very large version of Risk. As I studied every facet of the mission, I had the uncanny ability to remember everything I studied in Oppenthal. I was a horrible student, but for some reason, this was like a duck-to-water situation for me. The stats, the specs, the numbers always made sense, and I could see where the puck was going to be more often than not. My team and I were damn good, and we were first in our class. This briefing made up a large portion of our grades, but it was obvious after our performance that we were awarded another C-School after this one, and with that came the duty station of our choice. It was all about in the bag. As we began our briefing, everything was going without a hitch. IS-1 Cockler and IS-1 Roberts were listening intently, but also seemed to be going through the motions. As we ventured into the naval section of the brief, we began the discussion around ASM weapon systems and the existential threat to our fleet. Of course, the CSS-C3 coastal missile systems that were uh, a very pivotal threat, but we had already addressed the termination of those threats with individual strikes during the first phase. The biggest remaining threat besides the Iranian IADs, integrated air defense systems, was the threat from their one over the water and evening flight vehicles, the Mirage F-1. Although not a fighter that could match our air superiority, it was being used for over the water flight ops and evening operations, which is something that eludes most countries. Iran had been expanding its AOR in the air defense. What made the Mirage a reason for concern was the maritime missile, named the Exocet missile. The Exocet is a French-built anti-ship missile whose various versions can be launched from surface vessels, submarines, helicopters, and fixed-wing aircraft. Although outdated now, back then it was a ship killer and therefore one of the largest secondary threats we had to account for. When IS-1 Cockler asked me one of the easiest questions any aspiring intel professional could be asked, I literally froze like the icy tundra of the Antarctic. I can't explain why. I've never really locked up before or after this one time, but for the life of me, I couldn't freaking remember. Hell, I even remember all of this verbatim today. I didn't look up any of this to affirm what I already know, but that day the answer eluded me. I fell back on the one thing and a professional should and could always do during a brief, say the following. IS-1, I do not have that information at this time. However, I will get back to you as soon as possible. 
Those words were like peanut butter and taffy coming out of my mouth. My throat tightened and I couldn't muster them with any conviction. He knew I knew the answer and he wasn't going to let me off. He said, are you sure? Mr. Spear, I find it hard to believe that you don't know the answer. I'm going to give you another chance. Of course, this just made it worse. So I uttered the words again. IS-1, I do not have that information at this time. However, I will get back to you as soon as possible. The second time wasn't any better than the first. IS-1 went into the diatribe of detail about the exocet, the length, the diameter, the yield of the warhead, the turbojet solid propellant engine, the sea skimming altitude, its inertial AR GPS guidance systems, all of it except the name. And I knew all of it, but I couldn't remember the name. As he continued, it came back to me immediately. The Exocet, version M38, the AM38, the 39, the SM39, the MM40, launched from a vessel, a submarine, fixed-wing or rotary aircraft. I went on and on. And after a minute or two of reciting the entire makeup of the maritime missile, he turned around and said the following. Listen, guys and gals, most of the time in any brief, the person you are talking to most likely knows the answer to the question you are receiving. Bullshitting will torpedo your career faster than a marked torpedo. Seaman Spear may seem like a knucklehead right now, but he knew the answer and couldn't recall. And that is your lifeline. Use it too much and you'll be seen as a stand-in. Never use it and you'll be seen as a person who bullshits their way through a brief. We all mess up when we atone. And how we atone for that makes our credibility or breaks it. And Seaman Spear, it's beyond me how you missed a layup like that. Well, it goes to say that right when you think you're going to get a pass in the military, the right hook is soon to follow. Years later, a person's word is by far the most important thing to me. I have to have it. And if you want me to respect you, I must have it. The second thing is to stick to the facts and never assume anything. Predictions are for tarot readers and gamblers in Vegas, not for professionals. So when the name Christopher Steele and the Steele dossier came out of the woodwork many moons ago, my first reaction was, it is just like the British to have a fake name that is a mixture between obnoxious and Fifty Shades of Grey relatives making an appearance. The British are nauseating at times, and don't really get me started, but just call it professional rivalry. The dossier was assembled by the British spy Christopher Steele for a private intelligence firm aligned with Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. Earlier this month, Igor Danchenko, a Russian-American who helped create the dossier, was indicted for allegedly lying to the FBI how he got his information. He pleaded not guilty, but after the indictment, the Post corrected and excised parts of the more than a half dozen stories about the dossier going back to 2017. The newspaper cited the indictment and new reporting that questioned whether businessman Sergei Million, supposedly the source of the prostitute story, had in fact provided the information. Editor's concern, according to the Post, is that the story actually might have been planted by a Democratic Party operative with a long-standing tie to Hillary Clinton. In part because of the dossier, the FBI surveilled the Trump campaign aide Carter Page. The Justice Department later condemned the Bureau's failure to address doubts about the Steele information when it sought the court's permission to watch Page. While the Washington Post corrected some of its discredited reporting on the dossier, removing portions of reporting connecting former President Donald Trump to Russia, there has been virtually no other accountability. And really, it's become the MO or the modus operandi for the news organizations to 
correct stories in which the entire premise is false. In other words, they don't, but the tradition is that they should. Any sort of reckoning would mean a retraction followed by investigative investigative deep dives, not only reporting the problems with the stories themselves, but also outing the fraudulent sources who participated in the deception. Perhaps that's going on as we speak, but it's highly doubtful. Those who perpetuated the Russian collusion deception, and this means editors, pundits, not only reporters, still hold premier jobs in political media. Many, in fact, have been rewarded with better gigs, Nobel Peace Prizes almost, laureates, Pulitzers. Is anyone at the Washington Post or the New York Times going to return their Pulitzer? Is anyone going to explain how multiple alleged independent sources regularly boasted and obfuscated the central fantastical claim of the dossier? Journalism is ostensibly about transparency and truth, yet none of these sentinels of democracy has explained how they were supposedly fooled for years. They exhibit not a a modicum of skepticism and one of the most vital components of good journalism. The most charitable explanation is that reporters had become such saps for Democrats that they were inclined to believe the most fantastical stories imaginable. The more plausible explanation, considering the lack of any genuine accountability and self-reflection, is that they were in on it. To excuse what came next from the media would be comparable to excusing widespread coverage of birtherism simply because so many of former President Barack Obama's abuses of executive power or inability to say America was exceptional was antithetical to the Constitution he swore to protect. The press exists to avoid the proliferation of faulty information and conspiracies, not to perpetuate them because of their partisan assumptions. What difference at this point? does it make? Well, for one thing, the full truth is opaque and the historical record has yet to be corrected. It still says that Russia secretly offered Afghan militants bounties to kill U.S. troops, a story that spawned from the environmental or the environment created by the Steele dossier on the New York Times website. That piece, like so many others, is incorrect. The intelligence officials who spread that story were running what amounted to a shadow government using a partisan concoction, illegal foreign intelligence surveillance act requests, and a pliant media to to sink the foreign policy of the elected president. It's one of the least democratic things I can think of, and it's worth knowing how it happened. Yet the public gets no explanation. Adam Schiff decided to chime in on the revelation while you were enthralled with the Rittenhouse cases, and unbeknownst to you, this all unraveled right behind your back and eyes. Quote, we couldn't have known, of course, years ago that we would learn years later that someone who was a primary source lied to him. But Steele did reveal that Russians were trying to help elect Donald Trump. That turned out to be all too true. And in fact, the Trump campaign chairman was given internal campaign polling data to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was trying to help elect Donald Trump. But the Mueller investigation concluded, quote, that Russians meddled in and still meddled in our elections today, but there was no evidence that even one vote was changed due to Russian interference. Adam Schiff is a stand-in. Nothing more, nothing less. The credibility lacking in today's government and the media is personified in the body of Adam Schiff. Did Adam Schiff lie to Congress? 
We must first answer the question, is it a lie if what you are told is something that you demand to hear? Partisan politics is about representing the party's interests. It involves professional play acting. When dealing with policy, all this is understood and is seen as normal. With impeachment, however, it enters a terrible, murky realm. The fusion of politics and justice is the very worst situation a democratic republic can be involved in. It is the toxic combination that is found in every authoritarian regime. Impression, self-interest, marketing, spin, and propaganda, and the furtherance of a political outcome becomes the nonsensical tools for discovering of wrongdoing and the administration of corrective actions. Those involved in the past impeachments had the honor and intellect to know that the wrongdoing a president is accused of had to be felonies, crimes that could withstand the clinical unwavering judgment of ordinary courts. The removal of the leader of the most powerful nation in the world demands that the bar be set higher than the whims of politicians. That's not what we have today. Instead of setting the bar high to avoid chaos, it was set low They did this so it seems to have been an act of political desperation that is a consequence of the party's factions fighting to demonstrate their authenticity and commitment. I don't think that leftists understand that many Americans actually see what they are doing and have grown disgusted with them. With each new conspiracy theory, they are, in effect, attempting a coup. Democrats are actually creating more Trump supporters and galvanizing support and even going ahead and trying to take the 22 and 24 election already, but it won't work. One just has to listen to their addresses or their legislation and analyze just what it is they are saying, and they will come to the conclusion Democrats are a party of totalitarianism. They want to steal from you if you are successful, inferring success means you have stolen from others. They want to rip businesses from their owners and deliver them to their workers. They claim Trump is a threat to democracy and the Constitution, but they want wholesale changes to the Constitution and the entire system because when they lose an election, it is not their fault. It is the system itself that is to blame in their minds. They claim to want diversity, that is, in everything but diversity of thought. Diversity of thought scares them, and if you don't believe what they do, you deserve to be silenced and have your business and life destroyed with smear campaigns and cancel culture. They are the party of white privilege and white guilt. They're flagellators that redefine equality as some sort of pseudo-reverse racism. People of color should be elected, not on their merit, skill, and knowledge or success, but because it is their turn. They are the ones that told you you had to vote for Hillary Clinton, if not for any of the jobs she didn't do particularly well, just because she was a woman and it was her turn. At the face of this hideous, hypocritical nightmare of unimaginable coming totalitarianism is Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, Nancy Pelosi, the people that are orchestrating a den full of lies and to push their narrative across the goal line no matter the cost to the American people. I hear people all the time talk about the Democrats and their evil intent. I do not condone that kind of talk. But there is a harsh reality. There is a splinter faction that is just as toxic as the hijacked Tea Party from 2014 with the likes of Paul Ryan and Michelle Bachman and Glenn Beck, and a party within a party. And just as the Tea Partiers were never Republicans or real conservatives, the leftists are not the lifeblood of the Democratic Party. The libertarians and moderates are nowhere to be heard or seen. Their voices have been snuffed out by the leftists, and the words are clearly displayed 
come to the left or be destroyed. The once great hero's mansion and cinema are now learning that serving two masters is not only ill-advised, but twice the ire. The truth is the leftists believe that big government, higher taxes, and regulation are the way of the future. Classic conservatism is the antithesis of these things. Pacing people into property has never worked. Larger government means less power to the people, and regulation strangulates growth in a free market. But something more sinister is happening here, and it is no longer hidden in the shadows. Democrats are no longer obfuscating and using misdirection. They are abundantly clear in their intent. This is why Biden is plummeting in the polls, because they are not listening to their constituents, and their policies fails as they always do. So when people speak up, they are cast aside. They are ridiculed, they are forced into silence, and the Democrats who voted for them are being treated the same way as they have treated Republicans for years. And instead of going after each other, we should hold the ones responsible for lying and colluding bogus narratives with foreign governments accountable. Because that was the real collusion, and people wonder why so many Trump supporters are skeptical of our government. In the intel community, Steele is a mercenary, paid for and bought by politicians, and should be charged with espionage. His antics were just as damaging as any other foreign asset attempting to thwart democracy, even the imagined ones from the Democrats' imaginations. So hopefully Schiff will be held to account someday, and all the others who participated on this attempted coup of a sitting president. If not, don't complain when your only freedom is one to not have to make choices for yourself and the inability to ever dissent against the party you put in power. Folks, that's it for my show tonight. Thank you for stopping by and watching. I will go out like I always do with a frame that's slightly off-center, the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. 22 veterans commit suicide a day. It is too many. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, and depression are all too very real, and this number can help. If you can't make that call, because sometimes veterans have an easier time talking to other veterans, give me a call. I will help you with that. And last but not least, you can give them my website, don'tunfriendme.com. Go to the top right-hand corner, click on the link, and you'll be connected free via Skype or phone to a VCL operator. Folks, thank you so much for your time. Please watch me tomorrow. Also, if you could like, share, and subscribe, I would greatly appreciate it. At all the sites I mentioned at Don't Unfriend Me Show, I would greatly appreciate that as well. I will see you tomorrow for 257. Have a wonderful night. Dummies who are on, stay on. I'll read a few comments, and I will see you all tomorrow.